Welcome to St. Alphonsus Wellcast, the podcast where we explore the many facets of health and well-being. This podcast is brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Well-Being and a generous grant from the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the St. Alphonsus Wellcast, your home for all things wellness-related. My name is Amy James. I'm a dietitian. We also have Candy with us today, and I am especially happy to introduce you all to our guest, Valerie Lawrence. She's another fellow dietitian in our Department of Corporate Health and Wellbeing at St. Alphonsus, and today we are talking about type 2 diabetes. Hi, Val. Hi. Hi, Amy. Um, Why don't you take a second and uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, you said what I do for work, and that is a dietitian. And so I also uh, talk about food, grow food, cook food. I love food, everything about it. (laughs) Um, And I especially love the topic today about diabetes because it's the one thing that I counsel people on, that they actually can make changes and see the difference visually in their A1C, and they get so excited when it's just a couple of, you know, things. Yeah. yeah. And when they get the the key, the secret, then, you know, they feel powerful. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think this is one of my favorite things to counsel on, too, as a dietitian because you can really move that needle pretty quickly. Um, okay. So we've already said a few big words, type 2 diabetes, A1C. So let's give everybody the rundown, um, kind of an introduction to type 2 diabetes. What is it? Um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar at least with the terminology, but maybe they don't know exactly what it is. So type 2 diabetes is when your uh, pancreas isn't producing enough insulin to cover the carbohydrates that you're eating uh, in a nutshell. And so what that means is that you're sensitive to carbohydrates, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be without carbohydrates. Okay. And I know as a dietitian, pulling from my hat here, uh, a lot of people will come into our office and, you know, have this new diagnosis of type 2 diabetes and just want to go immediately no carb. So yes. what, what's like your kind of take on that? Well, I would say that it's very natural to think that. I mean, it's you could look at it as almost an allergy to carbohydrates, uh-huh. which is what I tell them. But it's not a true allergy, and I understand why they're wanting to shy away from it. They think that all carbohydrates are bad, but really the things to be careful of are not all car- carbohydrates, but just things like concentrated sweets and, um, and a high amount or too much of a carbohydrate. It's a dose-related thing. You can totally eat anything you want, but you, you have to know Number one, what a carb is, so study those. And then number two, you need to be able to have the right amount. And that's pretty easy to do because, I mean, I don't know, a couple of servings for everybody. Each person, each meal uh, is fine. Yeah. All right. Great. Um, I've never thought about it like that, like an allergy. Like an allergy. But that's a good that's, analogy. Yeah, that's a great analogy. <laughs> just makes you sensitive to mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair that other people, you know, can eat more carbs than Absolutely. you. Absolutely. But it's true for you. Yep. A piggy bank. I've heard you say that too. Um, okay. So uh, even more basic than everything we've already been talking about, how does someone get diabetes? How, how do they land in a doctor's office with a high A1C or, um, you know, type 2 diabetes? Well, so there, there's usually a genetic component mm-hmm. to it. And, well, something to bring in is that women who have had gestational diabetes are more likely to have diabetes, to get diabetes five to ten years down the road than anybody else. Um, 
well, not anybody else, but sure. you know, ge- genetically speaking, you're ge- you're usually getting it from a first degree relative, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. Um, and then once once you have that, it's not that it goes away, but you can manage it and in some cases reverse it. Sure, sure. Um, all but right. you asked how you get it. So that's yeah. one way. Okay. So the other way is by overeating what your pancreas can keep up with. So overeating those carbohydrates. But also um, you can get it from being obese uh, is part of it also. And then and then uh, being sedentary, not using the carbohydrates that you are eating. Got it. All right. So... Once you have it, now this this is something that we get asked a lot as dietitians. Once you have it, kind of break down that, you know, can you reverse it? Can it go into kind of like a remission? Um, or is it something that we have forever? And I guess also kind of like how does that change your counseling style? Hmm. Well, I, I got to leave that last one off, the counseling okay. style. Okay. But, <laughs> so, we'll come that, back to that. That really is individual. Um, yeah. It really matters on what that individual wants to keep in their life and how sedentary or how active they can be and all that. But, Mm -hmm. okay, so I said leave it, and then now I'm talking about it. Your first question (laughs) was um, what can people do? Like to can they reverse it? What's the pathology? What's the what? How does it go? So Mm -hmm. how it goes is um, you usually start noticing when you have prediabetes. So you'll come back with a an A1C of 5.8 or 5.9, and your doctor might raise an eyebrow and say, well, this is something we're going to have to keep watch of. And then you can make some lifestyle changes. Hopefully you never have that turn into diabetes, but um, there's a lot you can do to prevent and, um, well, not necessarily prevent. I shouldn't say that. There's a lot you can do to stall the the. Progression. Yes, thank you. That's mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Making hand gestures that are not helpful. So, <laughs> like rolling with it. Um, but yeah, so you, you can do a lot to keep your diabetes from advancing before it has to. All right. So if we've got someone who's listening today looking um, for the greatest ways to make a change, what would you tell them and why? Well, I would say that it's not... What matters is not how many carbs you have in a day or dialing down exactly how much you need. But it's really important to know that it's per meal. That's what I think a lot of people don't Mm -hmm. get. Um, Mm -hmm. You can't save it up. It's sort of like if I skip carbs for breakfast and I skip carb for lunch, then can I have a lot of carbs at dinner? You can't because your pancreas just won't be able to keep up with that. It's like um, having one drink per day. You can't save yeah. it for Sunday and have seven and be okay. You can't? <laughs> well, you could, and you might be okay, but it wouldn't be as pretty. Guys, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, so I would say the first thing is to know carbohydrates, and the second thing is to make sure you're having the right amount at each meal. And a way to do that is by thinking of my plate or the Harvard Healthy Plate is actually my favorite one to use with people. Mine too. Yeah, because it, it focuses on fruits and vegetables, and if you've got half of your plate in vegetables, then you've got a little bit of room left. You've got half of a plate left, so fill a quarter of that plate with a protein, a lean protein, and the other quarter of that plate with starch. And that starch can be potatoes, it can be rice, it can be bread, it could be corn, it could be all the things that people try to stay away from. I hear a lot of people say, 
I stay away from white foods, and um, and I think that's sad. I also have had doctors, I've found doctors will say to some of their people, um, you can never have rice again. You can never have a whole sandwich again. You can never have tortillas again. These are actual things that doctors have said. Wow. Yeah. And it's so sad because people have have their own traditions of ways of eating. Mm-hmm. They don't want to feel separate from the family. You can eat everything anybody at the table is eating. It's just the proportion on your plate may look different. Right. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's unfortunate in not even the medical communities alone, but the wellness community in general for people who counsel uh, for diabetes and, and food things, just kind of taking away from my personal nutrition philosophy is I really don't subscribe to restriction. And so to mm-hmm. me, it's really sad when I hear people doling out advice that's very restrictive because kind of like the dieting cycle when people do something that restricts a whole food group or you know, yeah. even just restricts uh, colors, um, it doesn't really work out for the long term. Right. Stay away from carbs is not realistic. No. Right. Our body likes carbs. We Our need brain, carbs. brain prefers it. Your yeah. nervous system prefers it. Mm-hmm. And it's your it's an easy, quick energy source. It doesn't mean it's your enemy. Well, and also those restrictions are, you know, it seems to bring this negative connotation towards food. Yes. It's this good, bad, and then mm-hmm. you're thinking about it, or if you have something, then you feel bad that yeah. you did that. And I think that mental side of it can be really, you know, daunting as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. I, I feel so bad when people have been staying away from all carbohydrates. It's it's like it rules your life. And diabetes... Yeah really is kind of a thing that you never get to keep your take your eye off of it. Mm-hmm. You always need to have that in your mind, but to be completely owned like that or feel guilty when you're having carbohydrates or, you know, you go to a birthday party, that's a natural thing. What do they have? Anything that's not a carb? I mean, yeah. <laughs> like it's going to be potato chips and hot dogs and cake and ice cream and, you know, all sorts of things like that. Can you have that at a party? Yes. Absolutely. Um, You just need to use strategy. And the strategy is, okay, I'm going to pick out the carb I want or the the carbs I want. I'm going to have a reasonable amount. And then the rest of the things I have are all going to be non-carbs. So the hot dog without the bun. I'm going to have a three by three piece of cake and I'm going to have a hot dog and I'm going to, you know, pick pick at the pickles. I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to have pickles and onions with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. I definitely I subscribe to that message um, completely. Um, okay, so then we also Candy has a little bit of a personal experience with her husband who has diabetes, and so I'm curious, like, what have you guys tried? It would be nice to hear from your point of view what's worked and and what's not worked. Yeah. So several years ago, it it became apparent that um, you know he had a fasting. Uh, A1C tests taken, and it was in the pre-diabetes range. Mm-hmm. And um, he had made the comment that uh, even back in high school, he had been given, uh, you know, a physical. We both played sports, so you had mm-hmm. to take physicals and everything. And that they mentioned that his uh, 
glucose reading was kind of high. Mm -hmm. But he was a teenager. He didn't follow through. Like, you know. Yeah. And so this has kind of been festering for a while. And then now um, he went to a diabetes center here. And they kind of explained to him that he has this thing called diabetes 1.5, this kind of in-between situation. So he wouldn't typically um, look like the traditional person that might have type 2 diabetes. Um, Type 1 diabetes, which we haven't really talked to that much, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it's more you see that in childhood, you're born, you know, with that situation. And so he's in this in-between. Yeah. And so because of that, it's been a little bit frustrating. We've tried to do things with food um, as well as exercise, all the things that you would do for type 2 diabetes. Um, But still, it's kind of been hovering. But we kind of took the approach that um, Valerie shared about just... We might not be able to completely reverse it. He's probably always going to have a high, higher A1C, but we can help prevent it from going further. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're trying it. to look at that food and making sure that he's remaining active and just being more aware. And when you talk about the plate and trying to balance, like that's something that we're trying to do. We actually moved uh, several years ago from using full dinner plates actually Mm -hmm. to dessert plates. Wow. Um, And at first it was kind of hard and I'm not suggesting this for anyone. This is just what we did. But it's become really easy because what we're doing is we're filling it, even though it's a smaller plate, we're filling it with more things I guess and mm-hmm. so there's like more of a balance yeah um and now when I have a regular dinner plate or go to a restaurant and oh. you know they bring out those especially at breakfast Platter. places yeah. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> oh tray. my word how <laughs> how can we eat this amount of food but that those are some of the things that we've tried you know tried to do and we continue to try and get guidance it's great for me as a mm-hmm. non dietitian to work with dietitians yeah. and whenever I have questions you know just knock on the office door and say, hey, what do you think about this? (laughs) I think people would be really um, surprised to know that like a standard dinner plate is eight inches. Um, Oh, I thought they were nine. Eight or nine. Still so (laughs) small compared to what people probably have in their their kitchens. Um, I think now is a good time to kind of not segue, but to just kind of like sideline and maybe give like a brief... um, uh, introduction to the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes since mm-hmm. we've mentioned both of them. So um, for those of you who are interested and don't know, type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disorder that typically is diagnosed in childhood. It used to be referred to as juvenile diabetes and um, it's been called a few different things. You can actually get diagnosed with type 1 diabetes later in life, which is something that mm-hmm. we know now. Um, but essentially what this is, is your body is attacking the beta cells in your pancreas. And so this means Uh, it's a little bit harder for your pancreas to produce that insulin. On the other hand, type 2 diabetes is where the cells in our body that normally respond to insulin, so insulin is this person that comes along to the cells and it says, hey, we have some glucose in the blood ready for you to to eat, and they knock on the door and insulin says, open up, have this glucose. Uh, Type 2 diabetes, our cells aren't really responsive to insulin, so we don't open up and take that glucose and therefore it stays in the blood and uh, your blood sugar stays a little bit high. So that's the difference between those two. 
Um, I hope that was clear. That was a fantastic. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, all right. So next question. Um, we've touched on this a little bit. Can a person with diabetes have sugar? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And that's just strategy management. You know, that's just managing it and being strategic. So if I'm, uh, if there's a nice dinner at dessert, or uh, there's a dessert for the dinner, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to have things on my plate that are mostly proteins, lean proteins and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to save my, I'm going to spend my carbohydrate budget mm-hmm. on that dessert. And so that's one way to, to have it in near proximity to your dinner. But having a full plate of dinner with full amount of carbohydrates and then having your your dessert, that's going to really shoot your sugars up. So it's better to go without the carb at that particular dinner, knowing, you know, just being intentional with your choices and where you want to spend that budget. Yeah. Um, there's also, um, I think, you know, there's a, a really wide variety of carbohydrates, right? We have the simple carbohydrates and the complex carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what the difference is, what the benefit of either is, um, if there is one, um, and what we should be prioritizing? Yeah, so um, prioritize, we'll start with that. Prioritize uh, slow digesting carbohydrates, things like sweet potatoes and even whole grain pastas. Things, so, so fiber and fat will slow down the rate at which your body breaks down the food into sugar. So when you can slow that process down in your stomach, then it trickles into your small intestine where it then profuses out into the bloodstream and then the insulin does its work, right? Mm-hmm. So the slower you can make that that transition from your stomach to your small intestine, the better. And starches are particularly good for that. Some people stay away from beans and legumes and mm-hmm. things like that because they are considered high carbohydrates, but they're actually really healthy carbohydrates to have. So I would prefer you know, the, the preference for uh, complex carbs like we were just talking about. Simple carbs are things like something that's a very simple carb would be a soda pop. Yep. And right. that would be the thing. If I said omit one thing, that would be the thing I would say get rid of that mm-hmm. because, oh, I see, I see people, and it just breaks my heart, I see people that say, I can't give up my soda. I've given up too much else. And I'm like, oh, if there's one thing to give up, <laughs> yeah. bring yeah. everything else back, <laughs> give up the soda. Absolutely. Right. But yeah, it's just just like racehorses into your bloodstream. You mm-hmm. could you could just uh, it just goes immediately, it profuses out immediately. Rapid fire. Yes, it definitely is. So <laughs> stay away from simple carbs like that or uh, sugary cereals. Mm-hmm. That that's another thing. Ice cream. If you can't have a half of a cup, probably you need to steer towards something else. Maybe frozen yogurt or something else. Yeah. You know yeah. that doesn't trigger your dopamine receptors quite so much. Yeah. Uh, choose something that's maybe your second favorite dessert than your first favorite dessert. That that'd be another way to look at it. Um, if you can develop a taste for dark chocolate, you can have that every day. Have a couple of three squares of dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. I personally like lint seventy percent because mm. it's smoother. Delicious. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. she shares with us. <laughs> yeah, I haven't brought that in for a while. <laughs> um, something choosing. that, yeah, exactly. Something that I like to tell my uh, clients when thinking about um, fiber and how it helps in complex versus simple sugars is if you think about a whole apple versus apple juice. Yes. Um, if you are to drink the apple juice, what is that missing in comparison to the apple? It's missing the fiber. And so you really are. Um, 
helping your body absorb that sugar pretty rapidly because you're taking or stripping the fiber out when you're just consuming um, the juice. And so you can have, oh gosh, bad dietitian moment, a half cup, four ounces yes. of, four ounces <laughs> four of ounces juice. Four ounces is 15 um, grams. Yes, a few <laughs> grams of carbs, whereas you can enjoy the whole apple and really not have, you know, so much of the, the sugar blowback, if you will. Yeah, same amount of carbohydrate, way mm-hmm. different way to have it hit your bloodstream. Yes. So can example. I ask a question when we go to fiber? Mm-hmm. What about these, like, fiber supplements? How does that come into play. Should it or is it helpful? Well, I I prefer people get their uh, fiber from food. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be something I didn't finish with my bean thought is that the reason that beans, uh, the high carbs in beans are no big deal. It's because how slowly they break down. Mm -hmm. And so that fiber and resistant starch in there. Um, So yeah. So what was your question? It's about the fiber <laughs> supplements. Oh yeah, so I I don't I don't know. It's not gonna. You could drink fiber with your meal. Might help. That's what I was gonna say. If you're gonna do it, it's got to be in conjunction with food because it's really that relationship between the fiber and what you're eating, and it's like gotcha. a synergistic effect, yeah. right? So if you have like a fiber supplement in the morning and then you just go on drinking juice all day, it's not really gonna do anything. No. Um, so it's got to happen together. I wouldn't knock it. I don't. I mean, if anything, you know. Fiber is is great for you know our we'll keep bowel you, movements, keep and you full, keep us full, full. <laughs> but but I think um, most dietitians will subscribe to a food first approach. Um, also, some of those supplements that are in pills or whatever can actually be you know detrimental to your mm-hmm. GI happiness. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. Uh, if you nice don't know what we're talking about. It. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so kind of going back to what we were talking about with sodas um, and sugar, what um, advice do you give out or if if there's any like, um, you know, pearl of wisdom or one trick that you can offer to our listeners about quitting sugar or lessening their sugar intake um, or, you know, even picking something like a soda to say, I'm going to take a step back from you? What would you say? Um, I would say, I don't know. I, I think it's better to look in terms of what can I have and, you know, how can I spend my carb budget? So to, to go back to that, I would just say just each time you, you're having a meal, have it be intentional. Have about almost everybody's okay with about a cup of carbohydrate at mm-hmm. their meal. And that's the easiest focus I have. Um, if my one pearl of wisdom if I had one pearl of wisdom, I think it would be uh, choose judiciously and don't waste your budget on cheap carbs. You know, get yep. don't waste it on sodas and and um, candy and oh, like hot Cheetos. Don't don't you know? Like spend <laughs> it on something that's actually going to nourish your body. Yes. Just attacked hot Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of a person that. Yeah. Little yeah. addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think it's important to 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 understand that you know there is this component of giving yourself grace and knowing that um, one instance where you might go over your car budget is not going to make or break you. Um, and again, kind oh, of going yes. back to also that true. like guilt and shame that's associated with food decision. You know, having type two diabetes puts you in this 
position to where like you do have to be really smart about your food choice and that is an added responsibility it is a little bit more accountability and that can be tough so you know if you find yourself you know at a family gathering and there's cake and let's say instead of the three by three piece you had a four by four it's okay make peace with it give yourself grace and move on um and make drink some water and take a walk yes exactly (laughs) drink some water and take a walk. Um, actually, evening walks are shown to improve your insulin sensitivity, and that is evidence-based. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, a 10-minute walk can lower your um, your glucose numbers by 10 points, literally, within yep. that 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. did a study back in school on that, and I was just flabbergasted. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, take a walk. I, I had one gentleman I was working with. He had an A1C of 11.3. And his doctor and medications could not figure out how to get it down. He came in. He said to me, okay, here's the thing. I'll do anything that you tell me to do, um, and we'll see how it works. But I don't want to eat rabbit food. And so (laughs) I was like, okay. So what we figured for him was he promised to stay within that one, one cup per meal of carbohydrates He uh, took a walk, 10-minute walk, after each breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And in two months, he was down to 8.3. Wow. Wow. Two months. Yeah. I was shocked. But he said, he was honest. He he meant what he said. Yeah. He did everything that was told to him. Um, He had a couple of spikes. Like, even if you can just make a couple of differences, usually people have a breakfast that's, well, one, one meal. Yeah, that's over. Right. Uh, And breakfast is a typical one that you can really overdo. Mm -hmm. So it can look and seem perfectly innocuous to have like, oh, well, I just had a little cereal. Well, what'd you have? I had a cup of grape nuts. Well, and I put a little milk on it. How much milk did you have? I put a cup of milk on it. And then um, I had a banana and some juice. Some toast. And, okay, let's add some (laughs) toast to that. Yeah. Yeah. And you can easily be in the mid one hundred. Uh, categories. You could be 150 grams of carbohydrate at your breakfast, and that's almost your whole day. Yeah. And so if you just knew that you could have water instead of juice, have your banana for a snack instead of at breakfast, and then, you know, have maybe oatmeal instead of cold cereal, mm-hmm. like you could reduce that in half and be perfectly fine without the spike and change your A1C dramatically by changing one meal a day. Yeah, and just as satisfied with yes. that kind of a breakfast. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to eat less. Yep, yep. Oh, that's great. Um, okay, so um, we talked about it a little bit, talking about the walk after after dinner, but specifically how can exercise help our folks with type 2 diabetes? So, um, so it does help because when you have glucose in your bloodstream, it's, it's basically backed up from the, the liver and your muscle cells and the foods that you're eating. All of those things can overwhelm the amount of uh, carbohydrate that you have, the amount of glucose you have in your bloodstream. But when you're, when you're walking, your large muscles are asking for fuel, and they ask for that fuel from your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, hey, I'm dying here. You're, this person is keeping on walking. This, way. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to put it. this person keeps walking. Um, and, and so they, they need fuel once they go through it 
from your bloodstream, they need more. And that then it can take more from your reserves, from mm -hmm. the stored glucose, which all of that helps lower the burden of what you have going on, you know, that your, your insulin can keep up then. Yeah, great. So something as easy breezy as an afternoon evening walk for 10 minutes, you guys, mm -hmm. uh, can really make a difference. All right. Well, we hit a lot of great points. Um, it sounds like if you have diabetes, there are more than one, two, three ways that you can management, manage it, excuse me, and I mean, in some cases, reverse it. So, okay, now tell me if I have this right. Main points, uh, make sure to understand which foods are carbs, so where your carb budget is coming from and the foods that you eat, um, and then how to spend your budget at each meal. So these are some pretty big takeaways. Um, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> using the diabetes plate, so either we talked about my plate that you could use to kind of help visualize that or the Harvard, Harvard healthy. healthy plate. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have to say I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah, I love it. Yes. They have a lot of good uh, resources. They really do. Mm -hmm. um, if you guys don't know, Harvard, Harvard Health. Harvard.edu. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Um, You'll find it. Yeah, if Harvard you, if you Google Harvard Healthy Plate, it will come <laughs> up and then it will lead you to just a litany of other awesome resources. Um you can have small amounts of sugary foods, um, but want to steer clear of those sugar-sweetened beverages, so juices, sodas, Gatorade, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, if you can, get some exercise, even if it's just a 10-minute 10 10 minute walk. Finding something that you can be, and I love this because I learned this from Dal, dedicated to and not disciplined to do. Is that what you say? Well, yes, you're, you're very close. Okay. And that, I like that too. <laughs> dedicated, uh, but I call it devotion versus discipline. Yes, when yes. you're devoted to taking care of your body and your health, it you easily do it. When you feel like this is discipline, you kind of slog through yeah. it. And I think the idea is that we want to sail instead of slog. Right? Yeah. Yes. I love all these little sayings. I'm going to use them. <laughs> so great. I know. And take credit for them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Val. Thank you, Candy. You're welcome. Thanks and for having me. Yes, yes. And we will all uh, hear from you guys next time at our next podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Alphonsus Wellcast, brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Wellbeing and the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Always be sure to catch new episodes by subscribing to us through all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. We hope you'll tune in again. Until then, be well.